this series of readings and reflections, highlighting books on yoga and Advaita philosophy, comes from the Self-Revelation Church of Absolute Monism. I am Srimati Karuna, the minister of this church. What is free will? And how is it guided? Swami Premananda shares some of his personal insights into this thought in his little book, Free Will and Divine Guidance. Open your eyes. What do you see? If we lift our consciousness, then what we see is spirit, divine nature, everywhere. God's will manifest within and around us. Now, think of the soul as consisting of three realities, thinking, willing, and feeling. To manifest free will, we do so through these qualities of soul. When every thought awakens within us the consciousness of universal oneness, above and beyond duality, then free will is expressed in our thinking. This is Gana Yoga, the path of wisdom. It is freedom found through wisdom. When we come closer to God in our every action, then our free will is manifested through our action. This is karma yoga, the path of work. It is self-realization by action. It is self-liberation through work. We manifest our free will through feeling. When we realize the presence of God in every expression of our love, through this love, we acquire the strength to surrender ourselves devotedly to God, to truth, to love. This is Bhakti Yoga, the path of love. It is salvation through love. The soul seeks perfection in every aspect of life. Through each of these qualities, and our will unites with divine will when we express every thought, word, and deed with wisdom, will, and love. The soul seeks perfection, but, but life on earth is not perfect. This we know all too well. But to be courageous enough to face the adversities of life and the sufferings of the day, knowing their real value is our divine nature. Knowledge of truth, of oneness, gives us a new understanding of the sufferings of life. The true devotee realizes the unfolding ideal of life. And one who follows the path of love melts the harshness of life's cruelty and suffering by realization of divine love. It is 
rather short-sighted of us to concentrate only on the suffering of life without recognizing the blessedness of it. Free will is divine guidance. It leads us to God. Divine guidance does not come until we have set ourselves free from the consciousness of our little personality and selfishness. This requires self-effort, realization of ourselves as something higher than the body, with mind free from selfish desire. Then divine guidance leads us and teaches us to remain undisturbed along the path. Divine guidance is never found through a passive attitude. There are many who believe God will guide them if they just sit and wait. But God can only guide us if we make an effort to guide ourselves in God's direction. God guides us in our own effort, in our own struggle, and it requires conscious effort on our part to realize that divine guidance. Divine guidance is found through meditation. Meditation brings self-control. It creates calmness and brushes aside all obstacles. Prayer uplifts us. It calms the body and the mind and draws us close to God. Complete union with God brings divine guidance as the finite self merges with the infinite self. But this requires practice. Divine guidance is also found in good deeds. We find inspiration in doing good unto others, in helping others to find peace and comfort, and in our attempt to realize our oneness with all. Now you will hear a reading from Swamiji's own words in this book, Free Will and Divine Guidance. In fact, these words relate a very beautiful personal story of his own realization of God's guidance on the path. You will hear this read by Amaya Ball. When I was a high school student during the early part of our summer vacation, I went to our country home in a village away from the city of Calcutta, one morning I was going on an errand, a distance of about five miles. It was about nine o'clock. The sun was bright, but not too hot. The sky was clear. The farmers had gone to work in the fields. The country road was free from passers-by. I was alone. Suddenly a light flashed over me. For a moment I was blinded. When I regained my sight, I felt that a veil had been removed from my eyes. All objects appeared flooded with light. As I looked, I felt that there was something mystic in this experience, yet I could not understand it. I felt that I myself was changed. 
I was only half conscious of the things about me. I walked to my destination, did my appointed task, but all in a mechanical way. I knew everything was being done well and properly, yet I was not altogether conscious of my actions. When I returned home, I was still in that semi-conscious state. I longed for solitude. Unexpectedly, shortly thereafter, I returned to Calcutta. Early in the afternoon, in the heat of the day when few people were about, I was seated alone in our parlor. Suddenly, I felt an urge to go out and sit in the park. This was unusual because going to sit in the park at such a time of day, when the blazing sun infested every corner of the city with its terrific heat, yet I could not resist the urge. I had to get out and go. When I entered the park, I was impelled to go and sit on a bench facing a boys' college. I didn't know what I was doing. I had not time to think. I sat on the bench, and barely three minutes passed before I saw coming out of the college building a man with long hair, attired in a yellow robe, the dress of a holy man. I recognized his face, but I could not remember when I had seen him or who he was. So I followed him, struggling in my mind to remember all about him. Suddenly it flashed upon my mind that he was my maternal uncle with whom I had visited for a while a few years back. I addressed him and made myself known. I inquired regarding the change in his life. He told me he had joined a monastery. I asked if I might come and stay in the monastery just for a week or two, and he said I might. That evening, when all of the family were together at home, I told them about my intention of going to the monastery just for a visit. All objected except my mother, who gave me her wholehearted support. A mother's heart always wishes the good of her child. No mother wants her child to be materially rich at the cost of spiritual sacrifice. The mother wants the child to be spiritual. A mother is the most unselfish friend. No sacrifice for her child is too great for her. My mother is one of the true mothers of the world. That evening, I went home to visit the monastery. It was Swami Yogananda's monastery at Ranshi. There I met Swami Yogananda. In less than a week's time, he received me as his disciple, and shortly thereafter, he initiated me. On the evening of my initiation, I first regained full consciousness since my lonely journey on the village path. I became a different person. I was blessed. I went there with the intention of remaining just a few days, but God alone knew that those few days were to be extended to include my whole future life, nay, perhaps many lives to come. If I had been three minutes later in coming to sit on that park bench, perhaps my whole life would have been different. Up to that time, I had two possible objectives before me. I wanted to become a lawyer, principally because the family in which I was born and brought up for a while was one of lawyers, judges, and barristers. On the other hand, was my innate desire to become a sannyasin, a man of renunciation. Love for God, devotion, and determination to attain spiritual realization were uppermost in my heart from my very childhood. And step by step, God has led me to this way and has guided me to fulfill this mission. Today I realize that God awakened me to my inner self on the solitary path of a distant village and opened my spiritual vision when I sat at the feet of my guru so that I might see and love God always and everywhere. First, we must seek within, rising above the little self by continuous self-effort, holding spiritual perfection as the goal of life. At first, by our own effort, we struggle and suffer. But then there comes a time when God takes the helm and guides us. 
Our free will gradually takes our hands off the rudder of life so that God may guide us to the shore of wisdom, immortality, and bliss. This and all other publications of the Self-Revelation Church of Absolute Monism are available through our website. I encourage your interest and pursuit of study, reading, and reflection. <laughs>